Well, good evening, everybody. Grace and peace. Um, welcome to the table. Yeah, really, really glad that you're here on this holiday weekend. And uh, yeah, y'all are the faithful ones coming after Thanksgiving. It's awesome. Um, I'm really, really grateful that you're here. And so um, we are in, let's see, this is part four of our series on our values. We've, we're just kind of going like one per week. Uh, and so we're kind of walking through these. So let me um, give you, for those who haven't been here, let me give you a little bit of a recap. So these, these are our five values here at, um, at the table. Uh, and they are thoughtful, inclusive, eclectic, communal, and vulnerable. Thoughtful, inclusive, eclectic, communal, vulnerable. So, um, so last week was eclectic. And uh, that is kind of the, the metaphor we, we used um, was the image of a balloon tethered to a string, or I should say with a, with a string tethered to the ground. Like it's, so there's a stake in the ground. And what you can see is the, the ground was sort of a, a metaphor for, for the God we've come to know in Jesus. So the image there is that we're like staked to Christ. Like we're, we're rooted. This is a Christian community. That's who we are, right? And um, so that's the stake. But it's, but it's not like that doesn't close us off though. That doesn't shut us down from others or something, um, or even from learning from others. Uh, and so we said it's like a balloon that, that balloon, right? Even though it's tethered, it can float a little bit everywhere, right? It can float over here and come over there. It can, it can mingle with this group, with that group, with this person, that person. It can get learn and glean from these ideas and that idea, right? So in other words, what we named was, um, here at the table, we want to practice an eclectic Christianity, which would be like open to, um, things like science, you know, learning from science, right? Not defensive, like, well, that's threatening to me, you know, like, well, no, like all truth is God's truth, right? So whether it's the sciences or philosophy, um, even other religious traditions, right? It's not like we're in fear and that's like, they're the, they're the enemy, you know? Like, well, careful there, right? Maybe we might even learn something. In fact, I was talking, um, a good example of this, I was talking with someone after the service last week, um, and she's a good friend, and uh, she grew up, though, in a kind of an, in a Native American tradition that was also Christian. So they were pretty rooted in Christ, but they didn't just sort of throw out everything from their culture, Right. And even certain understandings of God as creator and such. Right. And so she said they, they kind of, um, had sort of centered on Christ, but drew from Native American spirituality. Right. That's a good example of kind of an eclectic Christianity that isn't defensive, isn't closed off, but is tethered to Christ, but like a balloon for you to float here and there. So that was last week. Um, this week we are on to, uh, communal. And so that's the title of my message for you note takers, communal. And uh, our text, our scripture for tonight is from John chapter 15, uh, verse 9, and then verses 12 to 13. This is Jesus speaking, uh, and he says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Uh, and then as we have every week, I have uh, a short paragraph written by our very own Juanita Johnson, and she wrote these words. She said, we are a church devoted to the principles of communion. To participate in communion is to lean into the mystery of Christ's present nearness. As a communal church, we are committed to being present to one another, to allow the depth 
that is fostered to resonate out into the world around us. We believe that to be in communion with one another is to participate in the reparative, restorative, renewing life of Christ. Beautiful. You guys, bow your heads. Let me pray over us before we get started. Jesus, uh, we center on you and we just, we thank you. God, thank you that um, we are here in this moment with one another to love each other and to learn to love you more. And, and I just pray over each person, God, as whether they had the most amazing holiday week or just the worst, <laughs> that, that in this moment you would meet them. God, and speak a word that only you can speak. So give us ears to hear, God, eyes to see, hearts that are open, and feet that are quick to respond. In the life-changing name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So everyone, almost everyone, most everyone, has friends. Hopefully everyone has friends. I won't ask for a show of hands. Like, anyone not have friends? I won't do that. If you're here, hopefully you have friends. All right, we like you. We want to hang out with you. We'll be your friends. So everyone has friends, but too few um, have true communion. What do I mean by communion? I mean connection, depth, like that sense of knowing someone, like really knowing them, and them knowing you, like really knowing you. Everyone, everyone has friends, especially in this world. Like if you're on Facebook, yeah, hundreds of friends. Maybe a thousand. I think they limit it at five thousand friends on Facebook. So max of five thousand. Right? We have thousands of friends, but too few have true communion and connection. Uh, there's a a scene in a movie that I love. Uh, it's the movie Spanglish. Anyone a, a fan of Spanglish? It's a good one. Um, for those unfamiliar, it's the the kind of it's really it's uh, a story of a mother and her daughter. Mother's name is Flor. Flor. That's from the movie. She has to teach someone her name. Okay, anyway. Uh, Flor. Flor? No, Flor. Flor? That's, what, that's good. All right, so her name is Flor. Flor. And so her daughter is Christina. And uh, so the thing is, they have illegally immigrated to the United States uh, when Christina was super young. Uh, and so it's kind of their story of them two, like, sticking together, and maybe making a life in California. And so they're incredibly close. I mean, they've lived in like a one bedroom, you know, kind of apartment for a long time. I mean, they are, they are tight. Uh, but it's also a story of, well, not only about, uh, Christina growing up, but also a bit of a clash of cultures. Um, in, so they have immigrated from Mexico, right? So there's an, a strong emphasis on family, community. Uh, and as Christina kind of grows up into the junior high years, She's getting more American culture, which has a strong kind of individualism, you know, like, find yourself, who are you? Uh, and so this it becomes a little bit of kind of a clash of cultures, and uh, and they're kind of trying to find their way. And so one of the, the big sort of uh, struggles, conflicts, is around this private school. She's going to this private school. She has a scholarship. It's super fancy. Um, but it's kind of, uh, she's she's becoming like the kids there, 
and the kids there are kind of spoiled, and so her mom's just concerned, like, is this my, who is my daughter becoming? And so the mom wants to pull Christina out of the private school, and so she starts having this conversation with Christina, and Christina just starts flipping out. If you've seen the movie, I won't yell, but she's really, like, screaming, like, I hate you! Like, she's just freaking, like, you can't take this away from me! I mean, they're just, she's freaking out. And so they finally, they get to the bus stop, <clears throat> and uh, Christina, the, the daughter, uh, is, is she just like gets some some of her things and she just walks over like she walks twenty feet away from her mom and she says, uh, "Mom, I just need some space." It's a very American kind of thing to say. If you know anything like if you've ever been to other cultures, you know we have like large sense of personal space. You know, like in America, we have like this is where you know we're comfortable. Like, hey, CJ's. Good to see you, man. Welcome. You know, like, this is not really, we're not really like that. But you know what I mean? Like, as Americans, we're just a little bit, di- you know, we're not, other cultures are kind of like, ah, you know. Uh, and so that's what she said. I just, I just need some space. Now, here's her mother. If you've seen this scene, this is like a classic moment where immediately, I mean, it's not like she sits there and ponders, like, what do I do? No, no, no. The daughter says that. She gathers up her bag, marches over, looks at her, and do you remember what she says? No space. No space between us. No space. I love this moment. Now, this has become, this has like made its way. You know how movie lines will like make their ways into families? Like, do you have any movies like this where the lines just kind of like get into, and you start like saying the lines just as part of life, and it, so this has begun to happen to us. So uh, a few years back, Maggie and I, uh, we were fighting. And I don't remember about what, because, you know, that's how fights are. The what never really matters. It's just how you're making me feel. <laughs> so we were fighting. I don't remember about what. We're arguing. Or just, and it was late. And I, we just needed to go to bed. You know, the, the scriptures do say, like, do not let this go down in your anger. But, you know, sometimes it's just so late. <laughs> and so we were so tired. Sometimes, maybe I shouldn't say that as a pastor, there is a time to just go to bed. You know, like, okay. So... <laughs> So, I, so here's the thing. I am, I'm, this is not, I'm not proud of this. I'm never, I'm not the aggressive person. I will never yell at you. It's very unlikely. I'm like, my weakness is like the passive aggressive thing. It's kind of my, all right. So it's amazing how in relationships you can communicate. You don't have to be ugly. You know, you just like don't do something you normally do. And that's like communicating. You know what I mean? So normally, you know, we get in bed and I'll like, do something like hold it for a minute or like a pat or you know something like hey love you you know just before you drift out right so we get into bed and i do the classic this is so immature and i just i don't do it i don't say anything ugly i just turn my back towards uh-huh is that nikki <laughs> nikki no uh-huh. don't look at me like i'm the only one <laughs> i just turn my back and i curl up in my little little ball of i don't know what just selfishness. <laughs> and e- immediately, Maggie flips over. She grabs my face. She says, look at me. She says, no space. No space between us. No space. Uh, now, why'd she do that? Because she is a wise woman. Uh, because communion, deep connection begins to wither and die the moment that I start to introduce space. Now, what do I mean by space? 
but if but does, does Flor and does Maggie, did, did they mean, by, by no space between us, did they mean we will be codependent? Right? Did, is that what they meant? No. Like, did they mean, like, that you cannot have a life apart from me? Or, your, your identity is my identity. We are exactly the same, and we've got to be on the same page in every way. And so, right? Is that, or, I'm going to control you. Is that what they're saying? No. That's not what they mean by no space. Right? Uh, instead, what, what, what's that naming? Uh, I think it's naming this. It's, it's saying, don't put up emotional walls between us. Don't distance yourself from me. Don't put your guard up. Don't check out. Don't shut down. Don't put that space between us. And isn't this what we do? You know? And it's amazing. Again, you can be, like in that example, in the same bed, and yet miles apart. Right? This is what happens sometimes in um, relationships, sometimes even like marital romantic relationships where people live in the same house, still in the same house, miles apart. You know? It's, it's amazing. There's a, 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 a sort of a definition of sin. Uh, for this is from St. Augustine. He, uh, the way he put it, this is the Latin term is incravatus in C, and it's sin as Turning inward upon myself. This is what, this is how Saint Augustine understood sin. It's a turning inward upon myself. In curvatus in si. In other words, sometimes if you've heard like a definition of sin, if like some folks, um, and this isn't wrong, it's just another metaphor, is sin is missing the mark. Sort of the image of, you know, you're shooting for the mark, and so like the, the right thing to do is there in the middle, that's the target, right? And so that's, that's a common understanding of sin, like missing the mark. And that's good. It's a good, helpful metaphor. But I, I think this, this is a different metaphor, and it's helpful. I think it's not so much missing the mark. It's this image of, of curving inward upon myself. In other words, I start to um, pull away from God, start to move away from others inward on myself. Uh, for example, think of the difference between like a, a healthy sexuality and lust. Right? What's the difference there? Right? You could say that the physical acts and such are the same, and it's very, it's miles apart. Why? Because on the one hand, right, in a healthy sexuality, I'm moving towards the other one, right? To, I'm, I'm, I'm delighting in them and who they are, right? There's this movement towards one another. Whereas in lust, who's it about? Me, right? It's, it's a self, it's a, it's a turning inward upon myself. It's a using the other person, right? And that's what the Bible says, that sin, that's St. Augustine in, in Cravatus in C. It's this turning inward. Or uh, think of the difference between like generosity and greed. Right? What's generosity? Again, it's this, this outward flow, right? It's this movement towards, so if I'm going to give, it could be, you know, finances, it could be um, like time and energy. You know, have you ever just sat with someone and felt depleted afterwards? You know, like maybe you even use that language of like, oh, I'm drained. You know, and it's that since what happened, you, you moved towards them and you gave, you gave of yourself, right? That's love. Love is this moving toward, but what's greed in Cravatus and C, right? It's this, this, no, this is mine. This is for me and I'm holding it for myself. 
And, and what happens when we do that? It's, it's suddenly I'm creating space. I'm creating distance between myself and God, between myself and others. And that's a, that's a terrible place to be. Terrible. There's, uh, uh, an image that I think really sort of draws this out. It's from Dante's Inferno. Any brave souls ever read Dante's Inferno? Like the whole, it's poetry. <laughs> Juanita has. Not surprised. She likes poetry. It's Italian. Dante was an Italian poet, but he wrote a, a, a really long book of poetry. It's really pretty remarkable, but oh, I found it kind of painful to get through. But um, but one, there's, so it's basically, honestly, a lot of our theology of hell, like in sort of the popular culture, is kind of drawn, honestly, more from Dante's Inferno than the Bible. Like, if you've ever imagined, like, demons torturing people in hell, that's, you know, we don't necessarily get that from the Bible. It doesn't, like, say that. Uh, that's Dante, Dante's Inferno. Um, so there's a lot of kind of weirdness about Dante's Inferno, but there's this one image that, uh, that, I, that I came across that I thought was incredibly profound, and it's about um, Satan. And so sometimes when you think of, you know, Satan, he's like, I don't know how, if you envision or imagine like Satan in hell or something, you know, he's like the head honcho, you know, he's in charge or something. And uh, not in Dante's Inferno. In Dante's Inferno, he is um, trapped right there at the very base of hell. He's frozen in ice. And he's there and he's not in control. Instead, you know what uh, Satan is doing? He's crying. That's how Dante depicts Satan. Big tears just streaming down his face. I think that's an incredibly profound image because we often sort of hit like, you know, sort of like it's, it's, it's fun to do bad, <laughs> you know, to do evil things or to, or even to turn about, to be selfish. Like, that feels good. It's awesome. And actually, if you think of the devil as like the personification of evil, it's actually, I think what Dante is communicating is that's like the saddest thing to be in the whole world. Cur curved in on yourself. And, and what has happened there? It's incredible space. There's uh, another um, book, uh, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, he talks about hell as well. And in his vision of hell, um, people are incredibly, like, they live super far apart because what happens is they quarrel and then they can rebuild their houses with their imagination and his sort of conception. I'm not saying this is how it is. I, I have no idea. I'm just, this is C.S. Lewis. He's very creative, right? Uh, and so he can build. And so what they do is they, like, me and CJ, sorry, I'm picking on you, CJ Chine. Um, like, we argue, right? And I'm like, well, I'm leaving. And so I build my house over here. And then I argue with this, I quarrel with this person. I'm leaving. And I, then I build my house over here. I just keep, and the people just so hell in that world is sort of always expanding. In other words, space keeps happening. Space keeps coming up and, and love starts dissolving between us. Too much space. But one way to read uh, John chapter 15 uh, the text that we started with, is really as God saying to us, no space. No space between us. No space between you and me. 
Jesus says in verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Can you hear it? As the Father has loved me. In other words, how much space is there between Jesus and the Father? Not much. Right? There's, and then he says, in that same way, then I have loved you. In other words, there's nothing but community and connection and love between the Father and Jesus. And then Christ comes among us. He slips into skin. He lives with us. He relates to us. He dies for us. He is resurrected. Why? To lessen the space, to remove the barriers between us and him. He's saying no space, no space. And if you've read the gospel stories, you know it seems as though humanity is hell-bent on space. <laughs> like we are absolutely committed to getting as much space between us and Christ as possible. I mean, that's sort of and of course, it's easy to read the Gospels and be like, those people, you know, geez, they really messed it up. And uh, of course, the point of the story is that we read ourselves in it, right? Like, this is what we do. And yet that's the image of the cross, right? Is him saying, no space. Like, not even the grave can hold me back from you. I think that's God's word to some of you tonight. Like, nothing can hold you back from God's love. He is, he is committed to loving you. He is committed to pursuing you. He is committed to saying, no space between us. And again, not in a controlling way, not in a weird codependent, I need your love or who am I? Not that, but, but in a, I am for you and I want you to thrive. No space between us. But it doesn't stop there. What's verse 12? Jesus goes a step further and he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then what does that look like? Greater love has no one than this, but to lay down one's life for one's friends. In other words, it's not simply that, well, isn't that wonderful? God does that for us. Yay, I'm glad we can all go home and feel real good. But what's the move? Can you hear it? It goes from the Father to Jesus and Jesus to us and then what? From me to you and, right? From Joe to, to Gail to Stephen to CJ to Chelsea, right? It's, it's, go, it's moving and this is, and what's happening? No space. No space between us. It's, it's uh, I think that it's a beautiful image here of um, when those emotional walls get built. It's like God's love comes in and what he calls us to is to dissolve those. And then in their place come these bonds of love and connection. Right? In other words, instead of space, we have connection. Instead of distance, we have um, intimacy. Right? Uh, which uh, A kind of common way of understanding that is into me see. Intimacy. Right? And that's beyond just, that's not just sexuality. That's like friendship, intimacy, like to know and be known. So how will that um, look here at the table? It looks a lot of ways, a lot of ways. It looks like at the end of the service, um, us saying, hey, if you need anything, please come forward for prayer. Why? No space. It looks like uh, we have a little moment that Mindy talked about right before the 
message, you know, of greeting one another in just a small little way of no space. Um, I send out a prayer text to many of you. If you want to get that, um, I'll give you a way to do that later. Give you my number. Um, and just, you know, just a small way, right, of saying, hey, no space. We have our monthly, we're trying to do this monthly now, kind of a party or something. We did uh, the Beer and Brats event in November. Now we're doing the Christmas party, right? Just a small way of saying, no space, right? Come and be known. And, uh, and then, of course, in December, we're doing the, the uh, Christmas, Christmas party. That'll be fun. Um, and then in January, we're launching meetups. These will be our, um, well, they'll look all different sorts of ways. They'll be Bible studies and support groups and supper clubs and um, book clubs. I mean, we got all sorts of ideas. And it's just, again, what is that? That's that value for come and be known. Don't be a stranger. Come and be known. So that's our heart here at the table. We want to be a place of connection, of knowing one another. And I mean, I just imagine like what could God do with a group of people who are committed to that? You know, because I admit, and actually next week, uh, the title is Vulnerable. It's our last value, Vulnerable. And that can be challenging. That can be kind of challenging to open up and, um, but, but we're going to model Christ's love and, and we want this to be a safe place where you can trust people. And so I pray that I'm that for you and, and I pray that you find that with one another. You bow your heads, close your eyes, let me, let me pray for us. Um, Lord Jesus, we are uh, so often we, we so often feel such space and I want to lift up uh, maybe a number of you sitting here tonight and there is way too much space. It's way beyond a, a kind of healthy space and now it's, it's not so healthy. Maybe you walk through those double doors and um, you're just feeling alone. And I want to just speak this over you that first off, um, Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is present to you. He loves you. He's for you. And he says to you, no space. And there are people around you who love you and are for you. If only you'll open up. And so God, would you give us the courage to open up, the courage to be present to one another, the way you've called us to love. As you have loved us, so we should love one another. Help us to live into that. We love you. It's in the life-changing name of Christ that I pray. But we are going to be taking communion tonight, uh, coming to the table. And, um, you know, as you come, uh, it's a moment of like that's why we call it communion, connection, intimacy with God. And as we come to one table, it is intimacy, connection with one another. Right? And this is why we all come, um, just as we are, to the same place. There's no like hierarchy, there's no like special table. <laughs> it's everyone to the same table, the table of the Lord Jesus. So you might be wondering, oh, can I come? I'm not sure if I have the faith. Uh, if you have the faith, if you simply want to connect with Christ, 
Well, then you come forward. You say, oh, I don't know if I believe. Well, if you want to connect with Jesus, you come forward. And uh, no one's, we don't police the table. That's not how this works. Um, and uh, we do have a number of folks recovering from substance abuse, so we use non-alcoholic uh, wine. That would be great juice. So if that's a concern for you, no worries. And the instructions will be on the screen. Uh, and so it's going to be super simple. You'll just form two lines. You'll come forward. You'll, te- you'll tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. You can take it immediately. You can return to your seat. You can come up here and kneel at the front, just however you'd like to, to go about it. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Let me invite you to the table. This is a Celtic Christian invitation. It says, this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. And it's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come. You who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come. Come because it's the Lord who invites you. And it's his will that those who want to meet him should meet him here.